at the dawn of time. In a world of savage splendor, a tyrant of darkness ravaged the land and captured two defenseless children. Raised as slaves, they were rogues. Look at the size of you two. Adventurers. Heroes. They were the barbarians. Welcome, everybody, to episode 47 of Schlockernaut, where we travel to the edge of the cinematic universe to watch and discuss all types of films, to include canon films that feature twin bodybuilding leads fighting evil in loincloths whilst flexing for maximum effect. You can check out Steve52.com for previous episodes and links to support the podcast. I'm Doc. I'm joined by my atrophied Siamese twinsy Steve, <laughs> and now on to the shoe. Dude, so I wrote down what I thought you were going to introduce me as, because you know how much I love your, your little introductions. Okay. I wrote down. Was it close? It was pretty close. And if you nailed it, I was going to take a picture and like text it to you on the spot to see it, you know, because I thought it was a so pretty good What did good you chance. write down? I had my barbarian brother from another mother. No, not even close. I did, yeah. Well, I guess brother. Yeah. Siamese, Siamese twin, right? Mine was hey, less, mine was less little, hurtful. Your little um, intro trailer. Every time they say the word slave, they have to have a whip. Snap them. The universal symbol for a slave, dude. I guess. Yeah, and this speaking of canon, this this is kind of an inside joke we use on the show. I don't think we've ever explained, but a lot of times when you introduce a movie and you'll say like, "Oh," and you open up with the MGM line, and I go like, "Yeah, canon film, right?" Like that's kind of our joke. Right. Uh, this is the movie that started that joke because when we talked about doing it, um, I told you it was a canon film, and you're like, "No way!" I'm like, "Dude, I'm I'm almost positive." And uh, all why would docu- it be included in the collection? Right. All the documentaries we've watched, all the stuff we've seen, I've never seen it mentioned, and you had never seen it mentioned before in any Sweeping of it, right? under the rug. Canon's <laughs> so, dirty little secret. Is Canon embarrassed of this movie? <laughs> they shouldn't be. Right. But yeah, this is the inside joke. So whenever I say, yeah, it's a Canon film, right? It's because of The Barbarians. Okay. it's uh, We're talking about 1987's The Barbarians, rated R. It's an hour and 27 minutes long. On IMDb, it's got 4.9 out of 10, which I think is... I guess about accurate. Sure. Um, budget of four million. It grossed eight hundred thousand, and the uh, twins were nominated for a nineteen eighty eight Razzie Award for worst new star. I kind of dug the twins. David man. and Peter Paul. Did you like them? I did. I kind of liked their banter. Like it, it shouldn't have worked, and it was goofy and everything. But I I thought they had kind of a. I kind of liked their banter. Like a Three Stooges almost back and forth. Yeah, they had a couple really good like that. You know, the gore thing that we'll we'll get to and. Um, even their little their little like uh, arguments they had, I thought was they pretty always cool. bickered over yeah. the simplest things, which would um, drive everybody else around them crazy, so they would start a fight. Right, and I guess you would expect them to have some chemistry being twins, right? I would, you would hope. I, so. I would hope. <laughs> yeah, I would hope so. So this one's directed by Ruggiero Diodato, a legendary Italian film uh, filmmaker known for Cannibal Holocaust, House on the Edge of the Park, which is a quasi sequel to Last House on the Left, um, Cut and Run. Um, did you know he was arrested for Cannibal Holocaust? I think, didn't we bring that up before? Someone had reported that as like a snuff film or some crap. Oh, no, no. He uh, had had to go to court to prove and bring the actors into court to prove that they were still alive. Right, So right. we have talked about that. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> movie stars Richard Lynch, which is our schlocker not degrees of separation for Invasion USA. Yes, sir. Stars David and Peter Paul as the twinsies, Eva LaRue, Virginia Bryant, Michael Berryman, and fellow... Uh, a guy who looks an awful lot like Emo Phillips. Yeah, nice. Um, 
Did you know they did other movies as as brothers as well? Like they had one where they're kind of like mobsters. It's basically the same movie, but set in like you know the mobster era, like Goodfellas and stuff. They played uh, as the Hun brothers from Natural Born Killers. Oh, that's right. I totally forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, good call. So this is you know they did a, a few things together, and uh, like I said, I kind of dug the guys. I thought they're pretty cool. Just so you know, I pulled up pictures of them. They're still enormous, so I'm not going to make fun of them at all. In case they listen. Yep. Okay. They're great. They're my favorites. Yeah, they're the best. So, here we go, man. Fake sponsor? Fake sponsor it up. Go ahead. Uh, Shoot, maybe I should change mine in lieu of what you just said, but uh, my fake sponsor is uh, Steroids, Breakfast of Champions for 80s Action Stars. Uh, Human growth hormone, actually. Yeah, both. (laughs) Like uh, steroids with an appetizer of human growth hormone. Yeah, and I think these dudes, um, most of the guys are pretty honest about it. I mean, th- we're not talking about uh, a, a sports competition where you're gaining an illegal advantage on an opponent. We're talking about when they go to Hugh Jackman and say, um, hey, dude, I know you're 50, but I want you to do another Wolverine, and we're going to give you $20 million to look ripped. Um, you go ahead and you do the steroids to look ripped for that movie. You do whatever you got to do to get into shape. Absolutely. You need to come in at weight and shredded like slaw. Right. Be and, ready for and this. And you look at any of these big 80s. Um, I mean, there's a reason that Stallone and Schwarzenegger and all these other guys have already had heart surgery by 40. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to say Hugh Jackman has a huge advantage over David and Peter Paul. Um, or is it their names? God, did I already screw that up? It's Peter and David yeah. Paul. Here, you're right. Yeah, David and Peter Paul. Okay. Because um, I keep wanting to say like Peter Paul Peter and Mary. Peter Paul and Mary, exactly. <clears throat> um, Hugh Jackman has a, a, a guy who tells him what to eat, a trainer who tells him what to do. I'm sure these guys did not have that luxury. These are these are two gym rats that got hooked up with the right people to they make, to make a movie. They sat in the dingiest gym and and lifted weights and got calluses on their hands right. and busted their ass to get to the point they were at. And then just so happens they were twins, which is a cool novelty. And they happened to find somebody. Hey man, talk to this guy. He's an agent friend of mine. Maybe he can get you some work. Right. These guys. I look think. Great, of course, it's know. all mere speculation. I think you're pretty close to that, dude. Do you want me to even before we get into the movie? Do you want me to segue to a gym story? A real quick gym story about myself. Sure. Okay. I'll try to. I'll be succinct so that we can get started with this. But uh, I still haven't done my fake sponsor. So can I do that real? Yeah. Fast? Do that. Do that. Then I'll do it. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to screw this up. So I just want you to just kind of get where my mind was at when I wrote it. Okay. All right. Go. Okay. The Canary Sisters and Gorkuchek Circus, okay. now 100% animal free, featuring finger food appetizers and complimentary barbecue face meat. Nice man. You you wrapped a lot of the uh, beginning action scene into. I tried a, to do like sponsor. the Barnum and Bailey. Um, what is it? The uh, Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey Circus. Yeah, good job, man. So the Canary Sisters and Gore and Kuche. I don't know. It was stupid. But no, anyway, no, no. There was some fingor in that original scene. There's the fire blowing. I think you wrapped it all into a nice uh, bouquet for me. I tried, buddy. All right, that's so, a circus I'd go to. Me too. So there's here's a quick gym story. I used to go to the gym fairly regularly, four or five times a week. I know it doesn't show. You know, hold the jokes, please. Uh, but I did. I was very um, into it. I did my research. I had routines. The whole ball of wax, right? I was okay. I was really into it all through my 20s and early 30s. Now I don't care. It doesn't matter. But You so walk and you call it running. Right. So right. go ahead. So they had opened a new smaller like satellite gym by my house. I used to go to a bigger gym. It was a Gold's that had a movie theater and everything in it. Um, and I started going to this smaller satellite gym. And this gym was like for these dudes that were, that would carry around like backpacks full of shit and like gallons of juice and, and powders that they would mix as they were working out. And they would set up like the whole section full of weights where you couldn't even borrow the weights. And they had like 17 weights around them because they were, they were so hardcore that uh, I guess they felt entitled to uh, grabbing every 
damn weight in the place and I'd have to like wait because I was a scrub, right? Like a little scrawny dude. You're not going to interrupt him during yeah, your exactly. set? Like, excuse me, sir. Yeah. No. Like, I believe I, it's my turn on the yeah, bench. Yeah. Can I get that 20 pounder? You know, this wasn't going to happen, right? <laughs> oh, the, the one I'm using to hold my paperwork right, down? Right, yeah, go right, ahead. Exactly. The one they were like using for forearms and I was using for biceps. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so there was a couple dudes in there that were cool. There was a couple that weren't. And you kind of knew the not cool dudes. And I mean, dude, you know what's going on, bro. Their face, their jaw looks funky. They, they have to wear a ton of cologne because they're covering up that testosterone smell. And, uh, you know, what was going on with these dudes. And, uh, there's one dude in there who's always kind of a jerk, a humongous dude. Um, you know, type of dude, never nod to me, never say what's up. I'm always pretty cordial. Um, he would have all these juices and powders and all his, all his accoutrement as he was working out. Right. His, uh, peptide bond, amino acids, right, right. his and, protein. Yep. And he had the full his, gear uh, on. Creatine. Yes. Yeah, creatine. Right. Uh, which I took once and it made me bloated as hell, dude. So you drink a lot of water with it. Not you into get it. Kidney stones. Yeah, not into it. Pre-workout. Uh, he had to on get a, ripped. Yeah, his his uh, he was his gains. He was getting his gains, he should say. And he right. had a ton of like gear though, like his clothes. Even it was all the workout gear. Where it was like he had the big leather belt. He had the hand wraps, like all this crap, dude. Something like that. Fanny pack? Did he have a fanny pack? It, what know, were those pants called that kind of like the zoomies or zuma zubas or yeah. something yeah the colorful like tiger print pink and black gold gym pants like the half shirt the gold gym half shirt ripped at the neck the whole the whole ball of wax dude god um, i'm being trans transported back in time am i painting a picture for you you know i used to work at a gym okay so you've seen these guys oh yeah have you seen a dude blow dry his pubes in a gym because i've seen that <laughs> with the, like his leg up on the sink. I've seen it twice, not once. <laughs> I, I have seen it twice. Are you at Hawks Gym? No, this was this was Gold's Gym. <laughs> but uh, that's a little Vegas joke. Good job, man. So anyway, to to paint the picture for you, that's the type of dude he was. He wasn't very cool, and of course, not cool to me. You know. So one time, dude, I'm leaving the gym, and this dude's walking back in. It's Vegas summer. It's 120 degrees outside. Um, he, he had been in there and he's coming back in and he stops and dude, he's like reluctantly asked me if I could jumpstart his car. Cause I guess his car was dead. It was a midday workout. I'm like the only dude there. Right. I'm like, yeah, no problem, man. I'll, I'll be cool about it. So I go to the front where I park my Jeep out front there and he's like, no, no, I'm parked in the back and there's no cars there. And I'm like, wait a minute. This dude going to try to like, <laughs> is this some shit going on? <laughs> you know, still your protein powder, like, your lunch money. He's a lot bigger than me, dude. I don't want to be man a box of sand in the bag just so he could kick it in your face. I don't want to be manhandled by this dude. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> He's going to put you in a suitcase. He had humongous fingers, bro. I'm not going to get in there. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to take <laughs> any chances with like this little, guy. Little smokies. Right. So I, I uh, drive around the back. He walks to the side. I drive to around the back. And, uh, dude, he was driving the worst dilapidated piece of shit Aries K car with, like, the, the, the tonneau cover that was all, like, sun-eaten and peeled back. Uh, it was a maroon with, like, the huge oxidized sunspots on the on the hood and everything. And, and it made me think like, dude, this dude, his, all his money, his whole life goes into his supplements, his, gym, his body, his gym, dude. That's it. He has nothing. Like, this dude can't afford new tires on his fucking car, but he has every um, supplement known to man in his bags and pouches. And for some reason I felt good about myself, bro. Cause I, you know, I was like, <laughs> you know what? This dude that's been looking down on me, he can't even afford a piece of shit car. man. Like, I left it. I think it's called like schadenfreude when you like take a little pre pleasure in someone else's pain a little bit, you know, <laughs> no. I, I left with my chin a little higher that day, bro, for some reason. I don't know. Why. Then the next day you saw him on the uh, squat rack and you're like, oh, back to sad Steve. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, whenever I'd walk by him, I'd feel like, wah, 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 you know, like that little like. <laughs> that was probably, dude, that was probably his drive to the gym car. Because he had like uh, his had Lamborghini post workout farts and stuff <laughs> that he had to get rid of. He didn't want to gas up his his, 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 his uh, Corvette or Jaguar. something. Right. 
it's possible, bro. But I'm telling you what, I think that's not. I think he was actually embarrassed of his car, and that's why he parked it in the back, um, not the front. He didn't want his, the cool <laughs> gym chicks to see him, like the girls at the front desk, see him getting out of that beater. They do when the they front. go on a date with him, though. They're like, man, that guy's hot. And then they get into his, uh, <sighs> his uh, what do they call those? His cologne soaked. His cologne soaked bucket is what I call it. Dude. <laughs> just smells like a Russian taxi driver. Okay, so sorry to get off track so early in the show, but no, just giving my we, gym, my I gym appreciate background. the segue just to make fun of somebody. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? He deserved it. He was a total ass to me. So, <laughs> and speaking of uh, of tough guys, here we go. The toughest out of anybody associated with Schlockernaut, that is for sure. <laughs> Eric Sledge, thank you, buddy. <laughs> Appreciate it, dude. So this is an actual canon film we've already talked about. This one actually opens up. It's a still of a, like a Viking battleground. I don't even a barbarian battleground with the yeah. dead bodies and skulls littered everywhere and fog. And uh, we get this weird like electrical classical score. I mean, I don't even know how to categorize this score. I capped it. Do you want it now? I was going to play it during the fight scene, but I could play it now if you want. Dude, it's just the strangest score, but it worked. Okay, you want it now or later? Go. Go for it. That was just straight um, 80s electronica and fantasy sweeping epicness. Uh, but I do believe that the horns are straight from a keyboard. Did you bob your head during it? Because I was bobbing a lot. <laughs> I don't believe one woodwind or brass instrument was tooted on at all. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> That's one dude sitting in his apartment. With a Casio. <laughs> <laughs> He's pushing that button that says like a bomba or something on the top to get the drums <laughs> out. Bassoon. Yeah, right. Uh, the music was by... Pino Dinaggio. I'm just going to say this, though. We're clowning. This guy's got some creds. Did you look him up at all? No, hit me up. Hit me with it. Carrie. Nice. Death Proof. Uh, Blowout, which is an awesome movie. The Black Cat. The Howling. Um, he's literally a classically trained composer born in Italy. 75 years old, and he's still doing movies. Damn, man. Good for Today. Man. So, no matter what, probably they probably gave him like a Yogurtland coupon and... Uh, a thousand dollar check and like make us a score for this movie, like you got it. Yeah, when you get paid in bubble gum, you get <laughs> that's that's what you have earned with but that pay. We remembered it, yep. so there you go. Yep. Um, so we get that battlefield graveyard, whatever. Uh, but then it's weird because it has some like really quick cuts of like fantastic, fantastical like carny folks. Yeah, they're like. It was really strange. They were blowing fire and juggling and lifting weights. I'm glad you brought that up, dude, because I started writing down the stuff I was seeing because it was kind of badass too, right? Like there was a lot of skeletons like impaled on poles um, and it was a really cool like after battle scene, but then they would cut to what I assumed was the the actual battle, right? Like you're seeing the post battle. That's not right? it. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, I have no clue. So it's a, it's the, the Ragnit tribe, which are, it's a tribe of uh, performers basically that have been given a pass to travel through the land without being harassed because right. they had the magical ruby right. that I guess the king traded a, a shit ton of gold for 
before the movie started. Anyway, that's what the voiceover told us at the beginning. Right. That intro voiceover actually had more info and plot in it than the whole uh, Wild Beast movie uh, put together. Oh, stop. The whole movie, dude. <laughs> but it was How cool. How much plot do you need? PCP's pumped into the uh, water supply. Stop right there. And animals that go was crazy it. and start Stop right there. People. That's all you get out of that movie. <laughs> okay. Um, it was pretty cool, though, because the, uh, the badass stuff that was going on, there's like ass kicking and skeletons and shit. And then like a juggler. I'm glad you brought up the juggler because I'm writing it all down like cool, cool, and a juggler. <laughs> and then so the weirdo, like creepy little person clown. Yeah, um, the fire fire breather. Strong men. All sorts of weirdos. Yeah. Uh, but the voiceover did get us up to date quite quickly, so I appreciated that. Um, I explained to you everything that's, that's going on. They're just basically a traveling circus right. full of carny folks, right? right? Um, while they're doing this Segway montage type thing. Um, they also mentioned that they had just picked up three orphans and it was a uh, Gore Kuchek and Kara and they're uh, giving them henna tattoos on the back of the uh, neck. And that's kind of like, what is it? The mark of the open road or something? The longest lasting henna tattoos in history is what they got. Yeah. Basically it's not a tattoo. They're literally like got like a feather quill. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of like a calligraphy, um, a calligraphy marker or a paintbrush. Yes. Yeah. And then we learned that Canary is the queen of the tribe. Do you think that was her name because she spends most of the movie in a cage? Ooh, nice. Uh, I did not put that together. Good job. Did you notice, too, that when they uh, pan through everybody in the uh, little wagon train, the twins were working out in their uh, wagon? No, I didn't. They're actually, like, lifting weights or what? They're, like, got dumbbells in their arms lifting weights. <laughs> so they were destined to be the buffest dudes in the land from get-go. Well, yes, but then... As luck would have it, they became slaves, which is basically the best workout regiment there could be for well, people. Only for them, because all the other slaves were scrawny like me and hunched Emaciated. over. Yeah, right? Somehow they were getting all their proteins. The other guys weren't. They, they fed them up right. <laughs> so, um, you do see Richard Lynch. He plays the villain of this film called Kadar. Uh, we talked about him and his acid burns on episode 11. Go back and check that one out. Um, and he has a large group of mutant marauders um, with him checking out the wagon train. Right. And those guys were awesome looking, dude. Dude, it was a mix of like Road Warrior and um, what was the other one it reminded me of? Uh, it's, a, it's a really good mix of, of like a, the, 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 damn, what's the term for those? Post-apocalyptic bad guys maybe? It, it was more post-apocalyptic than fantastical to me, yep. but it worked. Totally. I thought the costume design uh, was on point. There was guys with like, Metal embedded in their jaw, right. covering their mouths. Guys with like mohawks with scarred eye, uh, scarred flesh over their eyes. Um, everybody looked like um, maybe they had been in a Michael Jackson video at some point right. with their wardrobe. <laughs> and but they it, it they, worked, match, they match, you know, not uh, unlike the what was the last one we did where all the bad guys didn't match, like all their outfits. So these guys all looked perfect for the uh, for the part. Which one was that? What was the one yeah, where they were all dressed all wonky? What have we done recently? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, so then they start chasing the wagon train. And at this point, um, I've never been more nervous during an action scene that I did than I felt with this one, dude, because when the wagon was going over the open plane, they would kept like showing close-ups of the wheels and they looked like they were going to fall off at any Bro, moment. I wrote down the exact same thing. I, we talked about this a little bit in Beastmaster, but stunts around running horses scare the shit out of me, man. I mean, I, I fear for the horses. I fear for the actors. 
Um, and I really don't like when they make horses fall down. I mean, I, I know they're trained I love and it, everything. Dude. I, don't I absolutely like it, love horse effects. Oh, dude, it's scary. It's me, amazing dude. to me just to see a, such a large animal do something so incredible. Yeah, dude. Uh, it, it, <clears throat> but there were scenes where like scary. guys would fall off the wagon train, and I, I thought for sure they were going to run over. Oh yeah, by the wagon. Oh yeah, they were getting pulled off the cart, and there was horses uh, running alongside the cart. They would fall in a gap of like four feet between a, a fast moving cart that looked like it was about to fall apart on its own and these other horses trampling them it was dude, they dude, look janky nerve-wracking dude yes yeah but it was super cool i, I love the um the various circus sideshow self-defense tactics they would yes. use um they they did a fireball to one guy's face uh throwing knives through the neck um a secret hidden crossbow booby yes. trap which was you thought for sure they were just going to blast somebody right off a horse and no they shoot it into the ground and it pops out two wires that trips the horses right yeah which I thought was neat, dude. I mean, they went all out. I uh, do. There was a ton of fun stuff going on during the horse chase scene. It, I thought this was a great opening. Um, like you said, the voiceover gives you everything you need to know going into it, and then You're you up get to a speed. great. Let's get on with yeah, it. You get a great action scene that lasted a good like five, ten minutes. I'd say it went on for a quite a, quite yeah. a while because I, I, you know, once I checked the time, it was like thirteen minutes already. I was yeah. like, wow. And uh, the scene is quite bloody. The the stunts were extremely dangerous. Um, people are stabbed, bludgeoned, torched. It's, you know, I'm going to go on the record to say this too. This movie could have been PG 13 without some of the boobs and whatnot. Yeah. I was going to say that when you said it was rated R, like really was it though? Like, do, do we really think it is rated R? You know, I mean, compared to what you see on walking dead and stuff now, the violence is not over the top, right? but they threw in some tits. There was no cursing that I remember at all. Yeah. And even the boobs were kind of, they weren't uh, focused on at all. They were, they were very quick, quick cut scenes, you know, in the background almost. Yeah, and that greeny ass version I had to watch the second time. I couldn't even make out the boobs. So it was Which kind you of, sure did focus on the thing coming out of that chick's dairy area. Yeah, here's 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 a fun uh fun another little fun behind the scenes. The second time I watched it, I couldn't find the good version and they took down the good version. So I was watching the world's grainiest Iranian dub of this. And I I had fun with the movie by taking still shots of every time they close up on that dude on the uh, Barbarian Brothers taints and texted them to Doc throughout the movie. It was And I greatly appreciate it. It was a Thank fun so time, dude. Uh, just so everybody knows, I did not watch my copy like that. I bought mine uh, during the Scream Shout Factory sale they had a couple months ago. They have a uh, two-movie uh, two set. It's The Barbarians and The Norsemen, starring Lee Majors. And I think it was not that expensive, and it's definitely worth having. Yeah, we got to get The Norsemen maybe next year, too. And that's too. probably why we're a little late, because you kept it for about six months. It took me a while, bro. I had to do a lot of close-up uh, screenshots of, <laughs> of dudes' inner thighs, you know? inspecting to see if the uh, tan line went all the way in. I pretty much watched it in slow-mo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, the traveling circus appears to have survived the attack, but Kadar and even more of the savages blocked their escape. Um, dude, I thought it was pretty pimp that Canary tried to fight back. She got out there and uh, told him she wasn't having it, and they fucking literally conked her on the top of the head. <laughs> right. It, not so much the head, but more that... Um she was wearing a hat that looked to me like a gym encrusted turtle shell, and they bunked her right on the head with it with like a club, like a cape. Yeah, dude. I mean, you just came up right behind her like, Bonk. um, and I actually wrote this in my notes. Kadar's outfit kind of looked like a mixture between David Bowie, Dracula, and Tulsa Doom from Great. Uh, Conan. Great, dude. That is perfect. Yeah, you nailed that. It's perfect because he had the big like um, collar. Yep. And then he had the David Bowie hair and like one big stanky white dread just hanging off the side. Yeah, it was ridiculous, so dude. dude. He looks like he smelt bad in this movie. Oh, actually, yeah. I actually, mean, he definitely hasn't brushed his teeth in a minute or two. Everybody looked like they smelt bad in this movie. 
Uh, at this point, Lynch and as Kadar goes a bit overboard, um, as he's kind of known to do, and he starts flailing his sword around for some reason, um, just killing random people and chewing up the scenery. Well, he only killed uh, one. He did a lot of like flinch, like major flinch moves to like everybody, right? Oh, like pump pump faking uh, with his sword action. Yeah, yeah. He'd pretend he was going to stab you, and then they'd flinch, and he'd stop and do like a little dumb laugh. But at the end, he finally did stab some chick out. I think. I thought he stabbed two. You might be right. I only remember one. Pretty sure he got at least two. Okay. Um, and that's when tiny little boy Goran Kuchek attack him and chop off chop off a couple of his phalanges. And yeah. I don't know which twin did it, so I'm going to basically throughout the entire movie say one of the twins. A little fingor, could we say? Sure. Right. Absolutely. We could say that. And I thought it was pretty cool looking because when he held up his hand... Um, it looked pretty neat. Yeah, uh, biting someone's finger off uh, it always freaks me out a little because when I was real young, I watched the, uh, I think it was the cartoon version of um, The Hobbit. And in that cartoon version, they have uh, Gollum biting off, uh, what is it, Bilbo's finger with the ring on it. And that stuck with me as a kid, one of those scenes that really messes you up. Uh, so now every time I see someone biting someone's finger off, I think of that scene and it, it did a little traumatization to me. I got one that'll make you cringe a little bit more. I read a uh, book about a forensic investigator and she responded to a scene of a um, a vehicle crash. They I don't know why they needed fingerprints from the dead person in the car, <clears throat> but they begged her to get the fingerprints, and normally they wouldn't do it because it was so cold, and uh, the fingerprints wouldn't come out right because there wasn't enough moisture on the fingers. But she said there was a technique where you could blow hot air from your mouth onto the finger to moisten it up enough to get the fingerprint to take. So she stuck one of the cadaver's fingers in her mouth what? and it <laughs> what i guess there was like a involuntary muscle spasm from the cadaver and it ended up the hand ended up clutching her jaw with the fingers inside of her oh mouth my god dude <laughs> so she had to like break you know break it free to get the fingers of the dead man out of her mouth that was just basically clenching down tightly on it dude there was another story in that book where oh my god. um she went to a suicide scene where a guy had blown his head off with a shotgun and while she was processing uh, the crime scene or whatever, um, somebody turned on the ceiling fan by mistake and the gore from the ceiling fan oh. just started splatting down on everybody's oh, heads. Oh, dude. That is so I wish rough. I remember the name of the book. It's, it was really good. So that, when you told me, you know how I feel about putting fingers in people, like even your own fingers in your mouth. Um, right. When you told that story, I got, I broke out into a sweat on my back. Like the whole, <laughs> my whole back started getting uh, hot and sweaty from that. So yeah, th- good job. I don't know, were you turned on or disgusted? No, the opposite, tell. the opposite. <laughs> like it was a revulsion, it was a revulsion um, sweat, I guess. Dude, I wish I could remember the name of that book because it was all just like mishaps from a crime scene or forensic investigator. Oh, it's God. Awesome. Hey, if you find it, we'll post it in Slack for the uh, Patreon and stuff, dude. That sounds like a winner. Cool, man. Um, at this point, though, Canary agrees to serve and obey Kadar um, because basically he was going to kill the twins for what they had done and... He says, okay, if you serve and obey me, then I will never, uh, no no one from my tribe or I will ever kill these twins. Correct. Which is kind of like, uh, I don't know, like a contract out of the side of your mouth. A loophole, a loophole. <laughs> there is a built-in loophole right. that we'll find out about later. Um, and then at this point, Kadar returns to his uh, castle with his literal booty um, nice. and his new child slaves. Yep. So... Um, and that's when I wrote down the costume design of everyone in this movie, even the extras, is top notch. Yes, absolutely. I, I agree 100%. I thought it was Extreme great. Extreme attention to detail. They're all different, but they belong in the same cinematic world. Yes. Because even, you know, the harem, um, the strippers, the, the 
the louts in the bar. I mean, everywhere you go, everybody fits into this this world. Could we say the uh, polar opposite of Cherry 2000? That's what we were talking there about, we right? There yes. <laughs> That's it. Where no one matched, and they were all in the wrong outfit. Yeah. Like, okay, you're from, uh, you're from 1950s. And you're from 2047. Yeah, you're you're a 1970s Harley Davidson writer, and you're from Buck Rogers. You're an alien from Buck Rogers. And you're a greaser. Right. From Shanana. Yep. Um, so Canary is played by Virginia Bryant. Um, she only has six credits to her name, man. She was uh, most notables are this movie and Demons 2, which was directed by Lumberto Bava, which is Mario Bava's son, and he's a prolific horror movie director of his own right. I thought she was good in this, too. I liked her. She did a good job, dude. Yeah. Um we also get introduced to the Dirt Master, which is Michael Berryman screaming and um, basically Bobcat Goldthwaiting his way through the entire movie. <laughs> right, and I, th- I believe Aaron has met him before and said he's like one of the coolest dudes ever. I've met him, and I have a signed picture, and he is super nice. Cool. And my wife had a friend who, that was her father. Oh, neat, cool. So she would see him around from time to time. Um, and there's a sorceress that also shows up. Her name is Sh- Sheba Alahani. And this is her only role. Can you believe that? Wow, dude, she did great too. She should have done. The sorceress more. killed it, dude. She was really creepy. Dude, can you? Um, this might be skipping ahead here. Maybe I should wait to the end. But can, was there one unattractive female in this whole movie? Nope. I think every single chicken here was um, super hot, and every single dude was super ugly. And I like that. <laughs> makes I me, don't makes, know. I thought uh, the makes me think I got were doing share. all right. Nah, dude. Those, I'm sure they got their fair share. Those dudes are, I mean, I guess there's a certain type of chick that would go for that, but those dudes are so big, they go beyond um, the norm of attractive, I think, into freak show big. You know. That's great. You just keep telling yourself that. And please don't beat me up if you listen to the show. I think it's great that um, someone so tiny... Scrawny? Go ahead. ...thinks <laughs> that someone so large is unattractive. No, no, I got buddies that are pretty big, too, and they say the same thing. Like, most most of the compliments they get are from other dudes. Like, only dudes appreciate big muscles like that. Not like chicks aren't like, wow, look at his, his delts are huge. But, like, another dude will come up and be like, damn, dude, your delts are big. Like, great. Trust thanks. me, dude, they get plenty of ass. They're I, not having any it. troubles. I believe it. So, I did think it was cool. Kadar's, like, little throne was being held up on the backs of slaves. Yep. Did you notice that? They were yeah. all, like, these little... Um, um, what do they call those joists that they would pick up and hold on their back so he could sit up on top of it and they would balance them on top of that? Like the Kung Fu fighting chair from the Iron Fingers of Death? Sure, yep. I've never seen that. Sorry. Yeah, you, we watched it together, so you did. Did I? I brought it over. Remember they fought on the chair at the end? <clears throat> like the dude was on it and the I guys were running that. around? Oh, we got to rewatch that then. That never happened. Okay. <clears throat> yes, then. Thank you. I just went back in my verbal repertoire, and I remember that. Okay. <laughs> it was brutal shit. Yeah. So, and I thought his throne was bigger than that one that they were fighting. But his didn't have, like, uh, spring-loaded knives and swords and shit that would pop out on you. No, dude. We should do that for the show at some point, just so I can revisit that. It was a great movie, right? I enjoyed it, yeah. I guess. And you don't even like kung fu when you, could sat, you sat through it. <clears throat> I remember thoroughly enjoying it. I just, that is not something that I store in my brain housing group right. because I have so much horror and other nonsense inside. Yeah, much like my um, blood in, blood <clears throat> out uh, painting that I had commissioned for you, you wipe your ass with it and throw it away. Dude, I have no idea what <laughs> happened to that thing. Hey, let's rate hey, let's rate my birthday gifts to you in order from um, what you liked best to what you like least. Right? Uh, the, the sex toys? Wait, no. No, I don't know. That was from Lynn, not me. <laughs> to make that clear. <laughs> let's make that clear. I'm uh, okay, ammo so. can with corn dogs in it? We got, no, okay, well, hold on, we got four of them. We got, let's see, year one would be the Insane Clown Posse movie. 
Um, uh, the Western. Right, the Western. Uh, year two would be a switchblade comb. Um, <laughs> year three would be a uh, hand-drawn picture of Miklo from Blood In, Blood Out. Which, um, <laughs> dude, it's got to be around here somewhere. I would never get rid of that in a million years. My kids must have taken it to school to show it off. <laughs> yeah, sure. And year four would be an ammo can that has corn dogs in it instead that of he ammo. he tried to hide corn dogs in. <laughs> Um, just so I would find them weeks later when they're already uh, molded. I bet you use that more than the switchblade comb, though. <clears throat> uh, my son enjoyed that. So rate those. Played from, with it for days. From one to four, give me a, give me what I've done so far. Miklo picture is number one. Okay. Um, corn dog ammo can number two. Okay. Sex toys number three. Switchblade comb number four. It's the, the sex toys was not for me. It was from Lynn. You left out the insane clown posse movie. Uh, that's not even. <laughs> <laughs> I used that as a beer coaster. <laughs> so the juggalos get no love from Doc today. I took that and I actually shot it out of a, a trap shooter and shot it with a shotgun. <laughs> Did you use the Miklo picture as wadding for that shot? <laughs> Stuff it in there? <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, I will find that. That Because that hurt my feelings when you said I would throw that away. I would never do that. I just wanted to show Aaron. because proudly displayed. As an artist, I wanted him to see what another you know artist did with the picture. You know, that's all I wanted to do. <laughs> all right. All right, back, back on track, back on track. All right, so um, basically they try and talk Canary into giving up the ruby. She refuses to to reveal its location. Um, and then for some reason, China says that her recent uh, Kadar's recently removed digits must be incinerated. Yeah, like burnt into dust or something, I think. So she puts them in her fist and immolates them and then blows the ash on the twin's face. And the weird, dude, this is straight Italian cinema imagery. Um the kids like have like a slow mo sl- slash, um, I don't even know what to call it. What Basically, they they're encapsulated in spider webs. That's what yeah, I was going to say. Like it turned into spider webs or something. Is that? Yeah, but it was like a weird like effect to do that. Yeah. Um, stop motion, maybe. Sure. Um, really strange. I agree. And then at this point, um, she casts a spell on him and says uh, that they will die by their own hands, which is the hole in the contract. Right, right. She's figured out a way around because she tells the guy, like, hey, these kids are going to be your, your, they your gotta demise. Go. They got to go. And he said, hey, I've made a – now, Now remember, this is a dude that was down for, like, raping, robbing, and murdering, and pillaging. But he's like, dude, I ain't, I made a pledge. I'm not going to break that. I made a promise. I'm not going to break that promise. Right. So he, she says, okay, well, they'll just kill each other. Right. So – Problem solved. Yeah, and I thought they set it up in kind of a cool way for them to to actually do that. Well, yeah, absolutely, dude. We'll get into that in a second. But I even liked the uh, the the Italian imagery and the trippy music of those kids just getting encapsulated in the spider webs. And yeah. it was a uh, very low budget, but imaginative and quite unique, man. Yeah. you don't get a lot of that in American cinema. Yep. No, I was super Especially- happy. I mean, this is we're probably about twenty minutes into the film. I'd say at this point, it's not. A, it's a short movie too. It's about an hour and twenty long. Um, but I was. Another movie, I'm grinning from ear to ear. I was having fun from the beginning, and it hadn't stopped. Especially when the child labor starts, you really enjoy it, because I know how you treat Michael. Right. Um, <laughs> they're taken to the pit by the dirt master, which is Michael Berryman, uh, to begin their training. Sure. Uh, which, it's basically their training consists of carrying boulders, fighting various animals, and flogging. And uh, tanning, getting flogged. Getting massive tanning booth uh, coupons. Yes. Everybody else was pasty and frail like me, except them, tan and buff. Dude, golden brown, yeah. like hash browns. Yep. And a nice um, jerry curl, too. I don't know where they're getting their products, but they both had a cool white guy jerry curl. They had that curl. 80s mullet, man. Yep. It's great. <laughs> um, the giant in the black helmet that was whipping Kuchek was not that big, and he had skinny thighs. They I'd, said uh, Kuchek was whipped every day by, by a giant in a black helmet. Right. 
and he had little teeny tiny thighs, and he I think uh, he was bigger than the giant. And then it said um, the giant in the brass helmet was huge. He was enormous. That was a big dude. I thought that they meant the helmet was big, like a giant black helmet. No, they said a giant in a black helmet. Gotcha. Like a dark helmet, like uh, space balls? Because those helmets were giant. They were like the uh, as big as um, in space balls, that dark like dark helmet's helmet. It was like falling all over their head when they were swipping them. <laughs> yes, dude. You could not see I'm anything I'm going to say that, that. Was, um, that was attention to detail because if you notice later, Gore is the dumber of the two, so I think the giant in the brass helmet whooped him dumb he hit him in the head one too many times <laughs> he got like two one too many concussions and he has whatever the disease those dudes that play in the nfl are getting now like when they get hit in the head yes too much. dude because he um that's the only way i could tell the difference between the two is the dumb one was gore right so um that's when you get a quick dissolve to the twins being yoked and veiny and oily oh totally. and i know you're going to talk about that um i'm going to say they made dar look like a kid getting sand kicked in his face dar dar from beastmaster oh they, yeah, yeah yes 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 they way outweighed him. Yeah, these dudes are these dudes are like professional body professional bodybuilder level big. They're they're on another level of of muscularity. They could literally snap most people in half. Yeah. They were enormous. Yeah. And we got some uh, rather unflattering shots of their crouch, uh, crouching taints from behind. Throughout the whole movie, you get back shots of these dudes. Every shot that we had of them crouching down or in an action uh, motion was from behind with their G-strings looking very uncomfortable. Yeah, this is a full exposed ass cheek. They're wearing like a leather thong with full exposed buttocks. Yes. Oiled to perfection in some scenes. The Barbarians are played by David and Peter Paul. David is an accomplished photographer, and they both, like I said, had a role in Natural Born Killers. Um, Both are still strong, so don't mess with them. And I believe they should do more movies. So I said it. Yeah. Yeah, great, great chemistry, and I'm assuming these guys weren't like um, trained actors, like we said in the beginning. I thought that they killed it. They're, the The dialogue was paper thin, but they sold it all to me. I had a lot of fun with their performances. I mean, they didn't even try just, to talk the, the talk the timepiece. Sometimes they'd be like, "Hey, by the way, man," you know, like it wasn't listen, even, bonehead. <laughs> right? It was totally just <clears throat> almost ad libbed. <laughs> I can't even. Oh god. <clears throat> well, that's coming up. Oh god. Um. At this point, though, while while they're being tortured, they're starting to be a little bit belligerent, um, and they're showing some resistance, and they're starting to fight back a little bit, and they're actually larger than their giant masters. Right. Which is a big problem. So how do you solve that problem? Um, you just basically make them fight each other. Thunderdome. That's right. Uh, did you notice, though, that it's the, the twins have aged... Uh, quite a bit, but Canary and Kadar uh, yes. haven't aged a bit. Dude, that was my last note of the whole show. I was gonna, I, I was, I was gonna hit you with that and say like everybody aged except, or every, no one aged except them. Like all the people in the caravan stayed the same. Their mom stayed the same. Um, everybody except them. They're the only ones that showed any. Well, I guess the sister too. I guess right. she would have aged. But yeah, that's funny you caught that. Um, at this point, Kadar's kind of falling in love with Canary, even though he keeps her in a cage. Really weird. I, I guess him falling in love means keeping her separate from the rest of the harem because she's in a cage and the rest of them kind of mill around it in their STDs and shit. Right, STDs, nice. <clears throat> so um, he gives her a necklace, and then that's when China comes in and says, hey, uh, the ruby is still missing, and, and you're becoming weak. We've got to get this ruby to get you some power. Um, I bl- you know, he blamed her or blamed him for his love for Canary, why he's not pushing her harder to give up the the location, 
And uh, so basically she says, we've got to have the twins kill each other. So she'll tell us where it's at. And to me, it sounded like someone was straight jealous. Uh, also makes zero sense. Like after all this time now, like, also, why do you even need the Ruby dude? He had everything. Years. He had everything, dude. He was, he was lacking nothing. He was already pimping everybody. What, what did he, he didn't have a juggler or what was the, what was the Ruby going to give him that he didn't currently have? It was magical. It had magical powers. She had magical powers. She was already doing magic. With the ruby. No, no, the sorceress. She didn't have the ruby. <coughs> Excuse me. Her powers weren't as cool as uh, Canary's, though, with the ruby. All Canary had was jugglers and um, accomplished square dancers. That's all the she ruby. She could uh, blur people's visions. To her own demise. That was a kind of a shitty trick. That was trip. great. I can't wait. <laughs> Here's the deal, though. Uh, does Canary really love the twins that much? She had basically just got those kids. And she hasn't seen him in 18 years. Does she still really love them that much? Yeah, the... the yeah. would be like, go ahead and kill him. I don't care. Yeah, what, don't, I, what are their names? Like, Whore and... Schmeckle. Fuchek? Right. Schmeckle? <laughs> Schmeckle? I don't know. What are, what's their name? Boar? That's I, what I consider him. He's I really boar. didn't... Uh, the ruby to me meant nothing. Like, I didn't understand why anybody wanted it, so... It you have to have didn't. a central talisman to, to gather the entire fictional world around. Yeah, and at one point you need to get some... Um, the armor of something that looked like plastic <laughs> child's Halloween armor to be able to get the ruby. There was a lot of stuff that didn't make sense, but I still kind of liked it and rolled with it. I'd go with it all day, man. Yeah. So anyway, they're going to fight to the death. Yeah. Hey, um, look, it's been 18 years. It's about time you get this ruby. I guess. Yeah. Quit, shit or get off the pot, man. Really? Yeah, today's Come the on. day. Come on. Yeah, you gave her the necklace. She didn't give you the location. So let's... But then she put, gives it up super easy later. Like... I, yeah. Well, after she whips her a couple times, right? Like it, it seems easy. like you could you could have probably done that like eighteen years previous if if she was. And then it's it funny because Kadar's pissed off about it too. Right? Uh, I I didn't. That one didn't really work, but also I didn't really care, you know. So, so we get back to the pit. Um, the music starts to intensify a little bit as uh, the twins prepare for battle, each wearing the helmet of their respective slave masters. Right. The music's the same as I played in the beginning. It's the same as the uh, credit music. And and so you've kind of explained it, but what they did is they trained each child to hate whoever was wearing that colored helmet. So in, to make them kill each other, they put the helmet on vice versa. So, you know, yeah. yeah, So that they would fight to the death. So before they fight, they flex and they pose and they swing their swords around wildly. Um, at this point, I was genuinely, uh, genuinely terrified for the extras sticking their arms in the uh, slats of the uh, cage. Much scarier than the sword work, yes. Oh, God, dude. I thought for sure somebody was going to get a knuckle rubbed off. Yep. Or at least a finger scraped. Uh, dude, because they were swinging those big-ass heavy swords around, and all these extras are waving their hands inside the pit and whatnot. Yeah, it was kind of like um, a Thunderdome <clears throat> scene, um, if you remember Thunderdome, but it was a hallway, like a very narrow hallway. It wasn't a, a, a sphere. So that, um, they were, like, right on top of each other. When a hand actually got cut off, you know, uh, cinematically with special effects, I kind of laughed because I was waiting for it anyway. Yeah, I was surprised it didn't happen, like, in real life also, you know, because, like you said, it's such a dangerous um, yes, dude. closed, confined space for that. They do uh, clang their swords around, which sounds weirdly sexual. Um, and they break some stuff, and they figure out, like, halfway through the fight that the uh, walls of the pit are not that sturdy. Um, and then they wonder why they're wearing each other's faces. And then that's when Kuchek has to tell Gore, hey, idiot, it's me, your brother. Right. The helmets get knocked off at some point, I think, right? Well, they knock off the ear of each. There's two ears on the helmet, so they knock one off at a time, and then the helmet comes off. Got it. And here's a, here's a little um, fun trivia fact. Uh, this is 
the first time you hear the actual stars of the movie say any words, it's 30 minutes in before either of them says one word on screen. Yep. Was that by design? I think it just fit the story, how they kind of progress the story. Okay. They could have been like talking shit while they were getting whipped or something. Maybe, but most of the time they were kids, you know, for a lot of that. And then um, maybe they were kind of trying to keep it, keep you in suspense until the big reveal with the helmet. So you're going to say you're going to put this in the same category as like there will be blood? Yeah, it was uh, Daniel Day-Lewis style acting from these guys. Like they could emote so much through their face that they didn't need to have dialogue. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Even though they were wearing helmets that that wouldn't fit uh, Grimace from McDonald's. (laughs) The biggest helmet I've ever seen. (laughs) All right, cool. No, it was just it was just weird. Yeah. I was like, oh, I didn't know what that guy's voice sounded like. And I looked down at the time. It was like 30 minutes and something seconds in. Like, wow. it's They're from Connecticut, but it sounds straight Jersey Shore. <laughs> <laughs> hey, butthole. Yeah. Why are you wearing my face? I uh, totally didn't match the time frame. It was great. <laughs> like everyone else is like, um, thou must uh, succumb to his evil spell. And these dudes are talking about like, hey, by the way, idiot, I'm about to go down and get a cannoli. <laughs> Check this out, bro. <laughs> yeah. So great. Uh, hey, so man, anyway, they again, it's better, it's better than the accent uh, Nicolas Cage tried to pull off in Season of the Witch. I'm, I'm going to put that on record. <laughs> I think anything's better than that, probably. Um, they join forces. They break free and escape. And they go to their uh, old circus camp, which somehow they know where it's at. And it's literally 100 yards away from the castle. Yeah, and it's, it's, uh, that w- the woods are full of mad traps. There's, like, traps everywhere. <laughs> It's like boxes falling from the sky and nets and... and <laughs> oh, we don't get to that yet. Because uh, um, basically they, they run into the mountains, they park their horse, they put their heads behind two tiny shrubs, and then the rest of the, the guys looking for them in pursuit run past them. Right. And that they're at the camp, which is overgrown with you know vines and whatnot, which that's not where they left it, I don't think. No, I took them as like a roaming tribe, so, you know, whatever. And then they have a uh, beautiful is mean um, in a cage asking to be let out. And the most unrealistic part of the entire movie is they refuse and don't even acknowledge her. I thought that was kind of a uh, gangster dude, the way they looked at each other and just turned around and walked away. Like without dude, word. the hottest <laughs> chick in the entire movie. And they see her locked in a cage begging for help. And they're like, whatever. <laughs> not, not even a word spoken dude. to complete this. <laughs> it was great. Like you got two probably teenage to old, younger 20 dudes that have been worked relentlessly and have a ton of testosterone built up. And they just see this hot chick and they're like, meh. Not interested. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Mean was played by Eva LaRue. She's now, dude, guess how old she is right now? I'd guess 30s maybe, mid-30s. 50 years old. God, dude, she looked great, man. Wow. She played in uh, Charles in Charge, Fuller House, Ghoulies Go to College, and Robocop 3. Yeah, she was great, man. She was good in this too. Never seen Robocop 3, have you? Yeah. Seen them all. You did? The PG-13 Robocop? Seen them all, buddy. Never watched it. I refuse to watch a PG-13 Robocop 3. I like number two with the nuke. The, the nuke. Oh, I love number two and one. Yeah. I never saw the remake either because I refused. I put my foot down. Yeah, you're not, not going to do it. You're not missing much. <clears throat> so anyway, um, they are con- confronted at this point by Ebar um, and the other circus freaks. Um, and at this point, they resort to straight name calling because Ebar calls one of them a fatty. <laughs> Who are you calling fat? Yeah, and so we've only seen one of the mini traps so far, right? The the cage that she's in. Right, and right. then they drop a net, which, um, are nets really that effective in snaring people? 
we could probably test that. It would probably be fine. I, dude, I mean, literally, wouldn't you just lift your arms up and like flip the net over you? But every time a net in a movie goes over somebody, which that trope has not been used in a long time, we need to bring it back. Um, they're just like completely functionless. They they lose their mind. They can't figure out how to move. Yeah, they start flailing around like they're drowning in water or something, right? Oh my God, what am I going to do? This net's on me. There's a net. I can't get out. <laughs> it's like quicksand. You're like, oh my God. Goofy. Um, so anyway, <clears throat> Ebar is played by Franco Pistoni, who has a very unique face. And by unique, it looks exactly like Emo Phillips. Um, and he is now head of the tribe. It, Emo Phillips, the dude that was in uh, Return of the Living Dead. No, UHF, the uh, shop teacher in UHF. Oh, yeah, 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 good one. I thought oh, he, no, I cut my thumb off. I thought he resembled um, the guy for, that carried the gun in Return of the Living Dead also. Ernie? Yeah, Ernie. Ah, I could see that, the same eyes. Yeah, a little bit, like the bug eyes. Yeah. Uh, now that he's head of the tribe, he has he is on a huge power trip because he's a big dick. Yep. Canary was way nicer. Super hot wife, too. Yes. Who apparently is under orders not to talk out loud. Yeah. Because the whole oh. time she would whisper in his ear. Oh, dude, I took a, a cut of um of them cheering when they dropped the net on him. I labeled this "Happy to Trap." This is like the the extras cheering, like when they uh, when the brothers get trapped, dude. Okay. I, I don't know why this is so funny to me. Listen and tell me. We fought them. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> we got them. We got them. them. We got them. Yay! All right. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> you think that was? Dubbed like post film. Yay! Yay! Yay. Got, All right. Let me hear it one more time. They're trapped. We fought them. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. I love that. So, uh, once he's caught them, um, as the boss, he decides to do the worst thing possible: is hang everybody that used to be in his own tribe. Right. Hey, let's not check. Let's not do any research. Um, instantly hang everybody. I mean, we put marks on their neck for a reason. It has been about 18 to 20 years. They're saying they're Goran Kuchek. Takes five seconds, guys. And like, <laughs> why, why the hate? Quality control. Why the hate? Like, why would he be so... Because he's right outside of Kadar's castle. Maybe they're the bad guys. Yeah, but they're trapped. Eh, whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so they're going to hang. Yeah. Um, and then, anyway, but they, they want to speak to the Kara. They the say Kara's gone. Work. Car has been gone for a long time, which biggest plot hole opener in the entire movie. Like, they just literally stuck a wedge in the movie and opened the plot hole. Right? Was there any um, doubt in your mind the minute they said that 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 chick wasn't Kara? <clears throat> um, it, there was because a normal person would say, "Hey, I'm Kara." You would think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, spoiler alert for everybody for the rest of the movie: is mean is Kara, right. the orphan child that was with Goran Kuchek at the beginning. Somehow they said Kara left many years ago. They didn't explain how. They said she left, which would mean she left voluntarily. They didn't say she was captured or taken. And now she's back. And only till the end of the movie, when it's convenient, does she reveal she's Kara. I even wrote down convenient at the end. That's great. <clears throat> what was she like? A secret boss? Undercover boss? Yeah, like... Also, she's the only unexplained chick in the movie. Everybody else had a background in a story, so it was like such a no-brainer that that's her. I mean, everybody else had like a full background. Right. So, like, yeah. It didn't matter, though. I didn't care. She was, like I said, a beautiful woman, a good actress. Didn't matter. She did a good job. There were some some lines that she let off without a lot of um, flair. 
You know what she charisma. did? What I caught her doing a lot is when the brothers would do their banter, their brotherly banter, she would be like with this huge smile shaking her head like, you guys. Like she'd be Silly behind. fuckers. <laughs> she'd be behind Dude. them just like shaking her head like. Upstaging assholes. Yeah. Jesus. And I kind of liked that from her. I thought it was fun. Kind of like look off in the distance and just smile quizzically. Yeah. Like, like roll, roll her eyes, but with a big smile. <laughs> Jesus. Is this the best my agent's got for me? Right. <laughs> Hey, dude, she, her, her uh, panties were bigger than the thongs the brothers were wearing. Yes, absolutely. Contractually, probably. They were showing um, 80% more cheek than she was. <laughs> anyway, they swing Gore out by his neck. Uh, he flexes his huge traps, and he breaks the rope. And that sound, he, that sound he make, I didn't know it was a laugh or a wheeze from being out of breath. But I find <laughs> out later, that's his laugh. And I'm not going to try and recreate it. Don't ask me to during the quiz off. Because I will die from coughing, but please play it. Go. A, p- a piece of lung will get chopped. Chunked. <laughs> oh my god, I'm already coughing. So just go. Just thinking about it. It's great. Here. <laughs> nah, that wasn't it. That was that was you coughing up a lung at another you. show. <laughs> Here. Things I do for the show. Here's the go. gore yell. <laughs> so. Full, I thought his trachea had been crushed. Full disclaimer here, dude. I've played that probably seven times an hour for the last two weeks. Ever since I took that sound <clears> clip. Is Michael doing that sound yet? Oh, dude. He, you know what Michael said the other day? He, no joke. I have no idea where this came from. He asked if that's Uncle Doc in the bathroom when I played that. <laughs> I have no. He has no context for that. I have no clue how he got to that. <laughs> oh, the day when your fan quit working? I that was making be. that noise because it stunk that so could, bad? That could be it. No. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God, dude. <laughs> Oh, Jesus, I can't do it. Basically, anyway, anytime I walk by the keyboard and that sound word's up, that sound gets played in my house right now. I'm sorry for your son. Yeah. That's bad. And tell him yes. Um, so Kuchik doesn't want to be outdone by his brother Gore, so he just wrenches the rope and snaps it free. Yeah. Which snaps is uh, quite Pulls neat. the whole trunk off there, or the whole branch off the tree, too. Breaks the whole tree. Yeah. Um, and then that's when the wife of husband, I don't know her name, but she called him husband the entire time. Allura? Was that her name? That, yes, Alora. She says, check for the tattoos and for the mark of the open road, which um, chicks are just smarter. Hey, hey, what, hey what a great idea and also a little bit late, but thanks. <laughs> so they do. Um, they discover it's Goran Kuchek. At this point, they're like, hey, we need weapons to save Canary, but they don't have any. As mean, just so happens to know where they can find some. Um, so that's when they head to the Bucket of Blood Tavern to absolutely do nothing but fight. The Bucket of Blood's a great name for a tavern. <clears throat> There's actually one of those in, um, what is that, Pioch? Piochi? No, no, no. Um, it's the old western town in Nevada. Out Ely? there outside of uh, Eagle Valley. Ely? No, no, no. Where is it? Logandale? Anyway, there is a Bucket of Blood in Las Vegas. It's outside of Reno. There's an old western town. I forget the name of it, but I went to the Bucket of Blood and it was awesome. Pretty cool. Yep. So anyway, um, <clears throat> it's a dive bar. Just throwing it out there. Yep. There's drunk dudes um, drinking copious amounts of mead, invading each other's private space. But it's a, it's another great scene where all the actors and the extras just looked amazing. It's it was stellar work there. That winch gyrating on the stage looked oh, uncomfortable as shit. Dude, it, it matched the scene perfectly. That whole scene was uncomfortable. Yep. That place was grimy. Yep. It looked stinky. Yep. Um, and why would that dude when, challenge them to arm wrestling? Like you challenge a small guy to arm wrestling, not a not a dude that's five times your size. Did you see how big he was though? He was big, Jocko? but not, not in like the way that the brothers were big. He was just kind of like a tub. These guys he, are like muscular. Basically, Kuchek goes in, starts talking to some people. 
they introduced him to Jocko. And so, um, I thought the Hey Buddy Nice Eye was hilarious. Yeah, that was funny. Did you get that? When yeah, he goes I did. up to the guy with his eye fucked up. Hey, Buddy Nice Eye. Yeah. Know where I can find some uh, weapons? And that's another uh, a testament to like that they weren't trying to even talk like period piece, you know, like the other Didn't people were. They were just talking, you know, doing their shtick, you know. Didn't care. Um, Jocko makes a deal with him. Um, just so you know, too, this part in the movie is where I had the hardest time hearing dialogue. I don't know what was going on with the audio, but it was really hard to hear. Yeah, a lot of background um, noise. So all I surmise is that they agreed to an arm wrestling competition versus Jocko. Um, if they won, they got weapons and horses. And if they lost, is mean and their gold uh, would go to him, Jocko. Right, right. All I could think of was just make sure you wrap that thumb gore over the top. Right. <laughs> and I knew for a fact that that table was getting broke. At the oh, end of no doubt. Thing. There's no doubt about it, yeah. So I thought it was kind of cool that Jocko puts that snake up there and that, um, who was it, Gore was the rest arm wrestler, I, one I of the twins? I couldn't tell, yeah. He hissed at the snake and it kind of slithered away. Right, I think that was his hook. Like he was going to intimidate the the other guy by having a snake by the hand, by his hand, but the, the brother in, in turn um, hissed at the snake and scared him away. Just The snake just slithered off and uh, he broke the table and smashed it. Then they get in a bar fight, which really didn't amount to anything except for cliche things you would see in... In any other bar fight. Like the Fall Guy. Um, like the Fall Guy credit sequence was the same bar yes, fight. Dude. I mean, like all of them jump, all the bad guys jump on him at once, and then seven bodies get flown or, flown around. Um, Jocko does the double fist crunch where he punches oh, yeah. with his right arm, I saw that, grabs yeah. it, punches with his left arm, grabs it, and then crunches his his fists. Yeah. Um, you get a couple of horses' asses getting slapped. Um, they end up just stealing some horses and leaving them without the weapons, though. Yeah, those dudes, I, man, they're so big that, like, they're so big that they can't. They're not limber enough for um, high high velocity uh, action. You know what I mean? It's it, they're just big dudes doing big punches and big wide swings is what you're getting, and just throwing shit around. Yeah. So they end up sneaking into Kadar's castle, um, and <laughs> I made a really weird observation here that everybody in this movie who's playing a background character um, or an extra just basically plays grab ass while Calliope music plays in the background. Nice. Boop, 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 while they're like slapping each other and drinking mead, yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> it it kind it's so it fit the movie tone though so perfectly, right? It does. I mean, it's just really weird. Just hey, just do something in the background, and then they throw in this weird. So, and then I thought this is the sexiest scene of the entire movie where the twins kiss each other dude, to avoid detection. That was so gross to me, dude. With that, that that really <laughs> freaked me out, man. Like that was horrible. It didn't look like they were very comfortable with it either. I mean, dude, two, I don't, whatever, bro. Two dudes kissing, big deal. Um, you know, I'm not going out of my way to check but it out. Brothers, like but yes, totally making but out. Not only brothers, twins, and they're kissing on the lips, bro. It's just freaky, dude. It was nasty, man. I did not like that. They did uh, spy on some nude women, uh, entertaining some people, and they yeah. instantly transformed into like New York City construction workers. Right, right. Like, like he, the dude like rolled over to some sleeping chick and started trying to dry hump her like right on the spot. Like he couldn't, <laughs> he couldn't even hold himself, you know, for two seconds. Yeah, so it was really weird. Just like, uh, uh, and like hey, <laughs> hey, lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, they do find the secret entrance into the harem, and uh, where they find poor canary in a cage, amongst all those scantily clad sea or uh, sex slaves. Right. So, um. Canary lets them know she can't leave, so they just the only way they can win this entire thing is they have to beat him because Canary thinks if she leaves, that Kadar will find them and chase 
to get her back and then kill everybody involved. Which, which is a, a preposterous uh, idea because that's exactly what happened whether she left or not. They should have just broke exactly. her out and taken their chances. Just um, killed him when he came back in to visit her by right. himself. Absolutely. And they ended up chasing him anyway. So what yeah. did you what did you solve by that? Nothing. You know. So they decide to go find weapons again. Uh, but before they leave, they decide to inappropriately grab sleeping women. Uh, well, I took that. Really weird. Uh, okay, so it's very weird. And I think it's even weirder. I don't know if you caught this or not. But um, so they, they get kind of, um, they lay on a bed and there's like seven or eight of the harem kind of laying on top of them. And then they cut to the scene where they're meeting back up with his mean, and she's like, "Where have you guys been? I've been waiting for you all night." And they give like this, this like little winky smile, and they do like the kissing lips, like, right, to to kind of insinuate that they were, you know, taking care of business in the in the harem. But dude, their mom was in there watching. <laughs> dude, dude, their adopted mother. It's not the same, dude. I was adopted. It's the same. Trust me. You, you don't want to be doing that in front of your mom, adopted or not, bro. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess she sat in her cage and watched her two adopted sons go to town like, on, oh on the God. harem, bro. Like, how many so are you going to do? I mean, it has been 20 years. Oh, it's so dirty. <laughs> so nasty. How would they even know what to do? Ah, it's human nature, man. It's nature. Just figure it out. Yeah. So um, they leave. At this point, Canary is taken out of her cell by Dirt Master in China. Uh, the Dirt Master, Barryman, is just hamming the shit out of it, dude. He totally. is going over the top. Totally. Silly. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah, every um, scene of him was like like a crazy eyes and, and laughing or screeching or he was. He didn't like, say one word. He talk. just nope. Yeah, cackled and gave googly eyes. Yep. And so um, finally, Kadar is ang- angry that basically China has defied him, um, and he so he basically rallies his men to go find China now. Who's out? She's got the location of the ruby now, um, so they're out trying to find China. Who's out finding the ruby? Exactly, and how did the sorceress find the ruby first? Like, what information did she have? The that sorceress they didn't? tortured Canary, who gave the information. But they had she had already given the information to the brothers, right? So how so, did she find which it is first? Appropriate because now they're all in one place at the same time. Because remember, Goran Kuchek take a side uh, mission. Oh, to, to get, get, the get the weapons, weapons. To get the weapons, right? Again, though, dude, the chick just she gave up that info like to multiple people pretty quick after holding out for. 18 years. You know I'd probably I mean? do it too. I mean, like after five seconds, like, like just like, whatever, out. bro. I'm good. Yeah. Just here's the damn Ruby. You, if you guys want to square dance that bad and juggle, here's the Ruby, dude. It's cool. <laughs> just take it. Cause that's all it, it, from listening to the, the voiceover. Tomahawk isn't that cool. Yeah. Art, all all so. that the Ruby gave you is art and dancing uh, and juggling or something. And laughter. And laughter. Which yeah. is more than we can provide. So that's true. <laughs> just to each other. <laughs> just two people laughing. So they enter a hidden layer beneath a waterfall. Um, they go in, it's like a foggy, slimy, foreboding, um, I don't even, it's like an underground swamp. Yeah. Look cool. And, uh, there's a werewolf-like creature, but I, I figured later, um, uh, I read some notes, they said it was a bear-like creature, which I didn't get that at all. No, it was a, it was a really can, that was a for sure cannon monster, I can tell you that. It was a, the guy who created it and made the effect was the one who portrayed the monster in the costume, yeah, too. It was, so it was, it was his first time creating a costume. Um, creature it was fun it was like attack of the shrews level fun for me no it was higher level than that maybe a, yeah. maybe a tad maybe a tad it wasn't a much smidge. man it looked like a, a werewolf um kind of i have a werewolf mask that's pretty on par with that that i got for like 20 bucks okay but well, this is 1987 so mm, okay i'll give you that yep. so uh in a secret room they find that they are um um they basically find all the weapons but then Ismina is attacked by a clawed hand, which I thought was kind of weird because I thought it was the monster 
Um, Gore rips off the arm. You don't see what it's attached to. And then other arms start growing out of the ground and attacking right. him. I thought the same thing. I thought it was the uh, monster attacking her, and I didn't understand either. When he still had his arms, when they confronted him, I, I didn't understand it. The arms were growing out of the ground and attacking them. So right. basically, an arm comes out, attacks his mean, Gore rips it off. Another arm grows out of the ground. He pulls it out of the ground, like pulling up a, a dead weed. And that's it. Right. That's the fight. Uh, I, I thought that was a cool idea. I just wish they had extrapolated on it a little bit. Yeah, there was just it, it, there was something missing there for sure. And while this is going on, China has located the magical ruby. Um, she pulls it out. Um, her men are attacked by kind of this weird bog creature that you don't really get a good look at, um, which I'm going to talk more about that later. Um, and then at this point, Gore and Kuchek are arguing over who gets the sword, who gets the battle axe, and the wolfman hops in. Um, right before he hops in, Ismin hits him with a, a, an arrow. As soon as he hops in the pit with those two dudes, they cut his head off. Yeah, there's no fight in this. This is a head chopping. They literally chop his head off immediately as soon as he gets down on like eye level with him. Right. Uh, and then they bark and howl, which was hilarious. Yeah, it was great. They kind of play with the head too. They kind of toss it back and forth and mess they around with it. They were scaring Ismin with it. Like, hurr, hurr, yeah, hurr. making dog sounds. It was great, I, dude. My inner child howled with him. Dude. Yes, <laughs> it, it was, was so much fun. It was great. It was silly. Yep. Silly as shit. It was great. Yep. Um, and then once we get outside, we we figure out they're in the same chamber as China was. Right. She was like literally five yards away from them. Yep. So there's a, spatial location in this movie is very limited. Yeah, just Every, like finding that camp. They went from being slaves to back in their camp within 10 steps. Yeah, know, as soon as they there. go out the gates, they're right there. Yeah. Um, so... At this point, they get a couple of bog creatures, which I don't know if you noticed this or not on re the rewatch. That was all filmed in reverse when the bog creatures came out of the, the water. Dude, I couldn't notice anything on that rewatch. It was so grainy. It was horrible. Completely in reverse. They um, Basically, the guys would stand up, and they would pull them down into the water, and then they filmed it. Or, or Oh, I see. So that they were they, popping out of it. They would pop up, so That's it cool. looked like they were popping straight out of the water and grabbing them. That's but cool. it was all in reverse. I like that. That's fine. <clears throat> Look kind of cheesy and slap slapstick, but I really enjoyed it, dude. So yeah. Yeah, um, I like that. But they literally kicked their ass with two punches to the chin. Yeah, nothing. Um, and that's when they realize the ruby is missing, and they argue about that like brothers would do. Right. Um, and then for some reason, two of China's henchmen show up, and they kill them quickly. Like, literally no fight there at all. Those dudes are dressed like some, like, medieval, like, samurai warriors or something, man. Like, huge Those were two guys on. from the beginning of the movie. They, they still had the same costume, but you're exactly right. A lot more um, elo um, eloquently costumed, yeah. per se. Look cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, but the, si the fight scenes are completely anticlimactic. It's basically a big dude swinging a big axe, and that's it, you know. And then he grabs him by the neck and takes his own sword and, like, pulls it across his throat. Right. Um, and then afterwards, they give each other a high five. <laughs> Like brothers should do. <laughs> like, like we do after every show. A virtual yeah, high I mean, five. A virtual high five. <laughs> so um, now we get the full reveal of the perverted, most perverted Jim Henson-esque like dick dragon penis puppet. Dude, I wrote down it was the most phallic sea dragon ever created in, in the universe. Dude, the head literally like elongated from a turtleneck. <laughs> like there was a foreskin on the dragon or the sea creature and the head <laughs> protrudes from that. And it has no body other than, the, than a tube. There's no arms. There's no, there's wings. like a, a, yeah, a, a silo, a cannon, with like a big veiny, cannon. Yeah. Veiny, veiny 
tubular uh, object, and the head would pop out of the top of it. Here, I got it. And I, it was in a in a penis shaped form. I got a sound clip of it. You ready? I hope you got the animatronic eyebrows clicking when it's like. It's, no, it's better. It's this. Not only bulging, but veiny. I got that clip for you. <laughs> That's what it came out and said. <laughs> uh, dude, I don't know who thought that was a good idea, or maybe they were just fucking with Ruggiero Diodato. They're like, hey, dude, we got a great monster. You're going to love it. Yeah, I mean, this was not a monster. It, it had no arms and legs. It was a dick. It was just a dick. It was a dick, dude. <laughs> so easily abused, bro. <laughs> So how do they defeat it? The same they, way that uh, they defeated the the bad guy in Phantasm. It's exactly the same. They sneak way. into a hole in the ground. His mean lures the pulsating monster over the hole, and once it gets over the hole, once the beast is close to the hole, it explodes. Once the shaft, once the shaft is is over the hole, <laughs> we've all been there, right? <laughs> once you're close to the hole, you just blow up. So. <laughs> Gore and Kuchik just violently jab its belly and its guts just pour out on top of their face. It was stupendous, bro. It was stupendous. It bro. was goofy and gory and gross and dumb and hilarious and the best thing ever. It, it was, um, imagine <laughs> Drax and Guardians of the Galaxy 2 inside the monster, stabbing it from the inside. Um, James Gunn gets away with that in a you know a million dollar movie and the, the Golan Globus and Diodato did it you know, on a way lower budget. Just as cool though. I mean, even cooler maybe. And I love the fact that like when it died, it was already laying down over the hole, but then they had to have like the sound of it falling to the ground and then the shaky cam of Ismene like shaking back and forth like it was so heavy. (laughs) Even though it was already laying on the ground, whatever. Oh, it was great, dude. It was great. (laughs) So you're two dudes that have just killed a snake penis creature dragon what do you do crawl up into it sure <laughs> they take an exploratory uh, jaunt up into the creature's body and they see china in her devoured corpse and the ruby yeah there's so like grab it. there's um there's junk in that tube there's a corpse yep. and there's other like it, the ruby was in there right because i guess she had got the ruby and then they then it ate her and they in turn yes. crawled in like like Pinocchio and the whale and grabbed the ruby back out. Because why not? I mean, that's what you would think. Yeah. Like oh, you wouldn't even know China's there. You wouldn't know anything about the ruby being in there. But you're like, hey, gut feeling here, Gore. Check this out. But this wasn't like a stomach in a monster. This is basically like a, a treasure room inside this guy's. Yeah, tube, it's like a the tube dungeon in Diablo. Yeah, they walked into it like a hallway. <laughs> so crazy, <laughs> dude. It's so weird. There's like no guts to move Nothing. the shit around. Yeah, it was just empty. Like a, it was like a storage just room. Like, just like add uh, plastic glad bags to the side of a hallway and like pulsate them a little bit and blow some wind through that. And that's what you got. There's a janitor's closet in there. Just stuff. <laughs> just stuff hanging out. <laughs> I loved it, dude. I loved it. So um, they get out of there. They do a, a quick a rinse off in the waterfall, do some uh, push-ups to get their pump back on. Um. And they're back on their way. I don't know where they're going, but at this point, Kadar and Canary, who's in chains at this point, uh, arrive to the uh, Dick Dragon party a little bit too late. And uh, he broods and he traipses and he threatens to kill the barbarians because I don't know why he figured out what had happened there. No clue. But he knew. 
but he knew that it was the barbarian's fault. And that's when Canary gets out, gives out like this uh, extremely annoying, sh- annoying shriek, and the boys head back to her while they send his <laughs> mean he call call to her. <clears throat> God, it hurts to hear. Right? That. Yeah. Yes. Hey, dude, just, real quick though, what was Ismin's uh, motivation to help these guys at all with the ruby? Like, why, she's Kara. She just hadn't told them yet. Okay, but if they didn't, if they didn't know that, or if you didn't know that, like, why is this chick even doing what she's doing? Because they pretty much tried to sell her in an arm wrestling match earlier. Yeah, they didn't care two right, shits they, about her. Right. Good. Good luck. Uh, good thing he didn't win because then the movie would be over. It'd be a quick, quick jaunt. There's no virgin. Oh, sorry. Uh, so anyway, um, at this point, the boys are going back to help Canary. Um, Canary casts a spell on Kadar to keep her from dying, but she doesn't evade at all. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't understand that whole thing with the ruby and 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 the vision and him killing her. I didn't. I didn't like. Did, was that on purpose or did she try to make him? He's do that? he's mad as shit now, so he gets angry. She blurs his vision with magic, so it's this weird like sweeping effect of the lens going back and forth while he stabs blindly. Which every time he stabbed out, it looked like he was going to hit her. Yeah, but why was he trying to stab her to begin with? I he thought he loved kill her. her. Oh, was that on That's... purpose? I took it as on accident. No. Oh, okay. He didn't seem remorseful when he did it. So anyway, she never moved. She just sat there hoping her magic was going to pull. She didn't like back up a foot or two. She just sat there. So he stabs twice, doesn't hit her, and then the third, third time he stabs her, and she's dead. So that was like an assisted suicide? Sure. Okay. Mm. Great tactic, though. Yeah, horrible tactic. So we go back to the circus town. Uh, Ismin shows off the ruby to everybody. Um, at this point, Ibar proclaims that the tribe can have another queen, so they must round up the virgins. Fun fact, there's only two. Hey, I got a clip from that. I thought it was fun. I've been playing this a lot, too. Here. Bring all the virgins. I like that. Something about that I like. Okay, we got two. Only two? Hey, hey, and let me tell you what, dude. I knew that those blondes were no virgins as soon as I saw them. <laughs> I knew, dude. That one chick, the first one that came out, <laughs> no way, bro. <laughs> what else is there to do out there in the woods besides uh, juggling and fornicating? And like when there's only 13 people in the tribe, you think maybe they'd know who was a virgin. They wouldn't have to like... Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, Allura's gotten it on. Right, like when that first blonde walked out, one of the dudes in the back should have been like, <laughs> no. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, at this point, the twins, while they're worrying about that at the camp, the twins are battling Kadar's associates um, after they find out that Canary is dead. Um, basically, it cuts back to Bar. Um, his test to figure out who will be the next queen is to take this ruby and place the ruby into the belly button of the only two virgins in the tribe. Right. All right. Uh, the belly button ruby does not stick in their hole, their belly hole. So it falls out. Um, and it's weird because that creepy little person just cackles like crazy. He was the scariest thing in the entire yeah, movie. Dude, he was freaky, man, no doubt. Scariest car- He was so ecstatic that there wasn't going to be another queen. It must have been like a, like a misogynist. Yeah, yeah. Like, why is he working against the tribe at this point? Or- yeah, he just wants a king. Yeah. There's no queens around here. Yeah. Anyway, he was creepy, and I did not like that. Yeah. Um, at this point, uh, he's a little dejected. Ebar. So he decides to uh, grab his mean. Well, he tries. And, uh, he tries both chicks, and it turns out they're not virgins. Is what it is, right? The the ruby pops so. back out, I and think they were just not the queen. No, no, no. I don't think they're virgins because they ran away in like um, disgrace. Remember, like crying, like when it popped out. Because they're not chosen the queen. Remember, his mean. Every time she looked at the ruby, it would glow. The other characters, when they were around it, it did not do the same. In my version of this story, they were not virgins. They were whores. 
That's why. Lying it, that's why it did okay. not go. <laughs> Trying to cover up their uh, infidelity. Right. Hey, dude. When okay. he when he does test it on a, is I mean, did he lick that thing before he put it in her belly button? I think he did. He I like think so, it dude. I think he did. He corks that tummy hole right up, though. <laughs> that's grody. That sucker plugs right up, and uh, that's when she reveals she's Kara. Yep. And uh, I put what the fuck was that? But also, so when he tries to get her. To, to try the ruby she's like oh, oh, oh no they actually have to manhandle her and carry her over there like oh no oh no and then when the moment it sticks and he's like you're the queen she's like oh yeah i'm i'm kara like and then they rejoice like but wasn't she just trying to avoid that but then she looks super happy after that's why i said i thought it was an undercover boss moment totally. like to see how the place works out before you reveal your identity right and it was super that was like, and by the way Ibar, you're fired because you're a total dick right <laughs> It was, it, was, it was a super convenient happy ending, right, with that dude. It was kind of like, oh, dude, come on. Yeah. And and also super lucky that she was, like, the only chick that those two brothers didn't hit on the whole movie, right? Because it turns they out they're hit, the sister. No, they started to with the kissy motions and all that stuff, which I thought was kind of like that weird Leia Luke situation. I, I didn't catch that. I, I thought they, they kind of left her I alone. they were flirting a little bit. Hmm. And she was okay. flirting with them, like, oh, my goodness, how look, big. Look at the size of you two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, at this point, the boys engage in the final boss battle against Kadar. Um, he runs around on a horse and blinds him with his shiny shield, that which is kind of neat. Uh, like the, the old um, um, Clash of the Titans shiny shield move, dude, right there. Absolutely, yeah. dude. But then one thing about Lynch in a movie is he always goes out like a badass. And I'm thinking about the Invasion USA oh, rocket launcher. I actually have a cut of the end of this movie. Here it is. Go. It's time. That's exactly what happened. It's funny that I, I already had that cued, right? Ready to go. <laughs> you knew. You knew we'd be talking about that because he basically um, he runs around, knocking him down, blinding him with his shield. And then at one point, he completely faces away from them and acts like they're not even there. He puts his sword away even. And so they kind of move in a little closer, hesitantly. And then he turns around and he charges them. There's one on the left, one on the right. And as they both swing their respective weapons at him, he does the whole lean back on the horse and rip out his two pig stickers and hits them both in the side and stabs them both. Yeah. And guess what? It does nothing to them at all. Yeah, I thought this whole ending fight was preposterous, dude, and kind of um, kind of a, a stale fight for the end of the movie, dude. I, I wanted a little bit more out of it. I agree with I that. Wanted, I wanted them to, to physically crush his skull with their big beefy hands or something cool you know what's funny is so he does that which would you would seem to believe he would have the upper advantage there um but they just yank him right off his horse at this point yeah um they just literally pull him right down he pulls out a crossbow that malfunctions and does nothing um and they they make him a quick shish kadar right like so just like the in the clip i played that's actually invasion usa with the rocket launcher this is the same thing but with the crossbow crossbow malfunctions and he doesn't even put up a fight after that. He pulls the trigger, it goes click, and then they walk over and kill him. No, yeah. they don't walk over. They throw two swords from about oh, yeah, 40 yeah, feet yeah. away from yeah, him. Yeah. And sh- yeah, I don't know if you heard my joke. They make him a shish kadar. Oh, nice. No, I did. I didn't catch that, man. Good job. Yeah. Nice wordplay, buddy. It was anticlimactic. Yes. That joke Basically, was also had- the joke was also anticlimactic. <laughs> <laughs> Both were. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't spend too much time on it. Right. Um, seriously, Kadar standing there with two swords in his uh, body, and he he's dead. Um, at this point, they reunite with Kara. Um, they ride off into the hills. There's some nice matte paintings in the background. 
Um, they disagree about who should be driving the car, which I thought was funny. Yep. I want to drive. Give me the reins. I don't like the reins. Take them back. Yep. Okay, I want the reins back. I want to drive. And then we get a climactic 80s movie song capper Dude, that, that are always the absolute cheesiest. God, it sucked, didn't it? They right. need to bring that back, though, dude. That's just so fun because it didn't fit at all. Yeah, not a, not a bit. Here it is. No, no, that's not, that, was, that didn't fit either, but here it, here it really is. You've got me in a spell. Are you heaven or hell? Yeah, dude. Weak. Ruby Dawn. You think that you think they should have hired the um, fight choreographer from Showgirls for that final fight? Think sure. They could have knocked that out, dude. Could have been better. A stale final. We would have fight, seen man. a little bit more when their uh, taint flaps lifted up and they <laughs> kicked somebody. I had a lot of fun dude, um, taking those pictures. Those are of the that. fastest running credits ever in my entire life. <laughs> you couldn't read a word on them. Dude. They ended before I even wrote the last sentence of, the, of my notes. I was writing notes. I looked up and the fucking movie's over. They're I'm like, holy gone. shit. <laughs> But can I just say thank you to Golden, Golden Globus and Canon Films for another fun ha- one and a half hours. Dude, there's just something about Canon Films, bro. They have that. There's They've got something. They got something dude. that I like, man. I love this movie, dude. Uh, I, it was fun. It was stupid. Uh, it was great. I loved it. Can I give you one more key to the um, reason why Please. you like this movie so much? Sure. It was written by James R. Silk. And I didn't know anything about him. I'm going to give you a list of his movies, and you're going to tell me whether you liked them or not. Are you yeah. ready? Shoot, shoot. Just give me a scale one to ten. One being you don't like them, ten being you love them. Okay. Revenge of the Ninja. Eight. One of my all-time faves. Yep. Ninja Three: The Domination. Eight. Okay. American Ninja. Eight. And King Solomon's Mine. I, you know, I don't know if I've seen that. I've never seen it. Okay. I know it's like an Indiana Jones ripoff, but yeah. I've never seen it. Um, and he's also an uncredited costume designer for the Wild Bunch. Well, then he's done nothing but great stuff. Exactly. Right. He is the key. Yeah, I was and great. the director. I, I love this and movie. Golden Globus. Yeah, conditions were perfect. And this isn't really your style of movie for the most part either, right? Oh no, I like fantasy, okay. uh, sword and sorcery type things. Okay, cool. Like, especially if it's extremely violent and cheesy. Yeah. So all yeah, right. that's all I got. You good? I'm good, man. I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. All right, bro. Good news. I'm going to say the film's artistic design, it was fantastical, uh, visually interesting. There was always something beautiful or grotesque to put your eyes on, and it had a lot of attention to detail. Absolutely, so, dude. Uh, I was cool with that. I agree with you 100%, and mine, mine is the casting. I love looking at all the people in this movie. Um, the, the ugly dudes, the hot chicks, it's like it's like Mexican TV, right? They always got like yeah, super dude. hot chicks with the ugly Absolutely. Dudes. Maybe it gives us guys a thing of like, well, if he could get her, maybe I could get her. You know, I could do And maybe it just some hope. a special mention to Gore's Yell, bro. I, I couldn't get enough of that. I laughed every time. I thought that was Who? funny. Gore's Yell. That, oh, God. The, yeah, the laugh. Yeah, I, I love that. Yeah. Dude. That's great, man. Right. What's the bad he news? He went all out to suffer for his art for that. Oh, he my God. broke his larynx out. Yeah. <laughs> all right, bad news. I'm going to say much of the picture and sound needs a remastering treatment. Um, there were some very dark scenes with barely audible dialogue oh, yeah. that took me right out of it. Yeah. So they need to work on that. They need to give us a remastered special edition, get some interviews with everybody involved. And quit being so goddamn embarrassed by this movie. Just show it out, you know, put it out there for everybody to see. Yep. I agree, dude. I, I, I can think of 
10 people off the top of my head that would love I wanted to keep the DVD longer so Dave could watch it I think Dave would have a great time with this movie oh he would absolutely yeah, and once know, he listens to this he'll probably want to see it I know Pete liked it I know Aaron loved it I know Dave's been on a Sidaris kick too which is thanks to us so yeah, and Aaron nice Ghost Tattoo thank you very much sir yep um my bad news, I think I caught some sweat and body oil continuity errors on the brothers, man. Like, sometimes they were a little oilier in, in one part of the scene and a little less in the other, man. They were literally the oiliest, oiliest people in the uh, Bucket of Blood. Oh, yeah, and the other people There was nobody the bar, darker, more <laughs> tanned, and oily in the Bucket of Blood. The other people, like, in the slave camp or in the bar were crusty white like me, and they were just the tannest, oiliest. Dried out like seen. raisins? Like a husk, yeah. <laughs> um, and also the lighting sucked too. That that was that was horrible. And the ending kind of sucked too. But I still loved it. Yeah. So. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Absolutely. All right. Schlock star rating. Um, two out of three siblings that shouldn't have been flirting but were anyway. Nice. So, <laughs> nice dude. Uh, it's an interesting sword and sorcery film that hit the spot for me. So that's good shit, dude. Um, <laughs> I rated it two veiny bulging slabs of man meat. <laughs> That's that's where I found that cut. I typed in bulging, and I found both of these cuts from from me. Because you know, you give me a hard time for not playing my cuts a lot. So right, I did a search Perfect. on bulging, which apparently is an adjective I use a lot in these movies. <laughs> Here you I can go. search that through through the uh, technology yeah, just, you just, have, just in my sound files. Yeah, that's so great. Here's the two I got: not only bulging but veiny, which I played earlier, and then I got this bulging young man. <laughs> So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> and you put bulging and veiny in the, your description there too. So. I did, dude. So good, so bad. All right, did you get a life lesson out of this movie? I need to hit the gym, dude. Seriously. <laughs> I get, oh my god, I watch it and I just, I feel so embarrassed by my body. If you ever they been, body shamed me just by being so healthy in 1987. Here's a tip for me to you, dude. Don't blow dry your pubes at the gym. It's uncomfortable <laughs> for other people in the locker room. It's it's weird. I don't like it. I don't think I'd walk around naked even in the locker room. This just seems so weird. Like, hey, bro, what's up? Dude, this guy had one foot up on the bench, and he was wafting the blow dryer back and forth on his pubes <laughs> when I walked in. You don't want that wet moistness in your drawers when you're, you know, Dude, heading to work? So I don't know if I've ever told you or the show this, but... um. You know, I'm pretty um, fastidious about washing my hands when I leave or go somewhere. Like when I come in and when I leave, I wash my hands, right? So that I'm coming in clean, I'm leaving clean, right? I stopped washing my hands at the gym because I would watch dudes brush their teeth um, naked with their junk rubbing on the front of the sink at the gym. I couldn't wash my hands at the gym anymore because of that. Why wouldn't you put on a towel or <laughs> your pants? Start washing first? your hands in the water fountain. Why would you have to brush your teeth naked? You can get dressed yeah. before you do that. Yeah, I don't get that either. Put on some draws. Oh, Put on some undies. I, I don't know what's a going on. Choney there, action before you brush your fangs. The locker room was a constant source of consternation for me at the gym, dude. It's very. You think girls sit in the locker room and talk about guys' junks and how great at kissers they are, like in the movies? I'm pretty sure there's like mad pillow fights and like hair braiding and shit going <laughs> on in there. Feathers flying around everywhere. And <laughs> yeah. Or like the, about like my, Johnny, oh, Johnny, my, and they're going out on a date to make out later. Your boobs are so nice. Mine aren't that nice. Feel them like that type of stuff going on. <laughs> Probably and then not. you have the real story of what happens in men's gyms. Yeah. Locker rooms. So dude's brushing their teeth with their wiener in the sink. It sucks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks. All right. Uh, that's my life lesson learned, right? Is that me? Nope. Yeah, it's you. Oh, uh, my life lesson. Uh, harems look great. And if I ever become the leader of like a race of people, I definitely want to get in on that. His harem was <laughs> top notch, bro. It top. doesn't seem like a downside to any of that. Top I mean, like you, they don't complain. They looked happy. I mean, literally, you pull their shirt down and they want to have sex with you. It's just kind of weird. All the chicks in there did not look like slaves. They had like um, tasselly pasties and, and like rhinestoned, uh, like they all had hair crimpers and looks like they were taken care of, dude, to me. Oh, yeah. His harem was on point. Yep. Uh, 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 uh. Schlockernaut protocol requires a quiz off.
May the best human moron win. All right, hit me. All right, so I really think Goran Kuchek wasn't a really great um, combo of names, like a duo of names for twin brothers. Gore's cool for this movie. I think Kuchek was just really kind of off-kilter and weird. I agree. Um, can you think of a better character name than Kuchek? Because I have some, if you cannot. Philip McCrevis. How about McCrevis as a name? Gore and McCrevis. Okay, yeah. that's better than Kuchek, I think. Gorn what about Gore and Tankred? Tankred works great. Okay, go. Gorn, you got another one? Gore and Grundle. <laughs> that's a good one. Gore and Tronk. <laughs> you know what? You know what, Hav? Hob used to call the the taint Ariana man. What? He called it the saddle. He's like, I don't want to get kicked in the saddle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where he came up with that, but I kind of like that term for it. I don't think I'd ever heard it called a grundle. We always call it the Fermunda. Yeah, Fermunda's good too. <laughs> All right, I got one more. All right, go, go. This is my go-to. Goran Felch. Yeah, Goran Felch will work. <laughs> how about, how about Goran Bono? What's that? Goran Bono. <laughs> That would work. It's way better than Kuchik. That was a terrible name. Yeah, I agree. Okay, good one, go. Dude. Good job. All right. Um, well, I might have. You might have already answered this. I'll give it anyway. What did Qatar need? Qatar Kadar need the gym for? It looked like he had pretty much everything. <laughs> no. like, is there anything he didn't have, dude? He didn't have the ruby. He didn't have ruby dung. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. What did he need the ruby for? To. I mean, he's got to have magic, more magic than uh, China, because <laughs> okay. she was kind of a bitch, and she was kind of being uh, hostile in the work environment. Okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> Insubordinate and churlish. Churlish. All right. <clears throat> All right. Yep. What would have been the tribe's test to find a new king? Because um, I don't think the uh, the ruby trick was not that appealing for a dude. <laughs> All right, Doc, see. pull your shirt up. Let's see. We know you're a virgin. You're so going to try and stick this ruby in your belly, but... <laughs> So let's see. So would it have to be the same ruby being used as a test? No, like I was thinking like maybe a dance off. You could do something like that. Dance off would be good. Juggling competition. Sure. Yeah, I don't think the ruby would be good though. It would be just a one big, it would probably just a big sweaty hairy belly button would envelop. Like anybody, any fat dude's belly button would stick right in envelop there. Envelop that ruby, problem. dude. Yeah. You couldn't get it out like to disprove it. Okay. So we can agree that that's a female only test. Correct. Okay. I'll give you that. It's funny because that kind of lines up with my second question. Okay. Um, if I was to give you, and this was part of the movie in the beginning when she gives the dude the gym to hide it during the chase. Yeah. So if I was to give you a priceless gym and say you know where to hide it, um, what would you do? Prison purse. Keister it. Absolutely. Of course. That's what I thought he was going to do with it. I was misled. Why wouldn't you? Right? They'll never find it in here. Well, um, I mean, with those pants I was wearing, those uh, G-strings, it may poke out a little bit from time <laughs> to time, but. All right, I'm glad we're on the same page with um, when you tell me you know where to hide it and you hand me a small gym, it goes Dude, in the keister. Next time I give you one of my DVDs and I tell you to keep it away from Lynn, I'm going to give you the old, you know where to hide you it. You know where to hide it. Okay. <laughs> All right, good. All right, number three. If go. we were the barbarians, which one would you be? Um, You would get the gore yell because you've done the bird call. <laughs> Plus I'm dumber, way dumber than you, <laughs> so you are definitely Kuchek. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love when we posted that picture up and we were doing the movie and it was like these 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 are the guys that most resemble our true life and everybody's like <laughs> duh <laughs> yeah right <laughs> couldn't even get one fun compliment on that I know <laughs> they all just pooped on us a bunch of I jokes. know all right um that's me right yep do you ever do you think the barbarian brothers ever doubled up on some skanky gym rat absolutely yeah dude. I think so too that probably happened right? I think they would actually swap too like hey you just tell her you're me right. And then you meet her because I'm tired of dealing with it. I agree. I think that's probably happened. 
Absolutely. And uh, if David, I couldn't tell who they were throughout the movie. So if David and Peter ever listen to this, go ahead and uh, email in and let us know if that's uh, that's happened. I'd like to read that. You know, I'd like to read about <laughs> it. <laughs> All right. Uh, would you please rather? tell us your uh, intimate personal stories for all of us to so hear? So that we can read it to, to on the air. Yeah. All right, hit me up. Would you rather? Um, be Kadar's sex slave or launderer of the twins' undergarments? Oh my God, we got the same friggin' Would you rather again, dude? This means we're unoriginal pieces of repeating out shit. Out of everything in the world that we could come up with, we come up with the same damn thing. Ah, all right, uh, sex slave, no doubt. Wait, you wouldn't want a lot. Wait a minute, let me back that up. <laughs> Put on some gloves, some latex gloves. <laughs> yeah, of course, I'd rather wash that crap, dude. Um, okay, I'll read mine anyway because it's worded differently, but it's the same damn thing. Um, okay. would, would you rather be the body oil technician for the brothers on set, or would you have, to, or would you rather hand wash the leather thongs they wore all day? Uh, body oil. So you'd rather physically like rub their sure. inner thighs and buttocks with the oil? Because yeah, I'd have more time to pick their brains about fitness techniques and whatnot. <laughs> what kind of carbs they're eating? <laughs> yeah. What's your carb to protein ratio? Right. Carb to protein to fat ratio. Uh, how you getting them gains, bro? Where are them gains coming from? All right, good one, dude. Uh, schlock cool. or not? I'm going to say not schlock, dude. Really? Okay, cool. This has everything I want in a movie. It's got comedy, action, gore, perfectly um, coiffed hairdos, and barbarian brothers. I, I went the opposite. I wrote, I put down schlock, and but I had actually filled this portion out like during the opening credits of this movie. Like I just this this has the again not fair man. You can't do that. Not yeah. Well, I stuck with it. Not a draw and not in the derogatory way. It's just schlock, but I liked it. Canon film, bro. It's a canon film. Doesn't through. matter, dude. Do you think Breaking is a Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo is a schlock movie? Hell yeah, dude. Have you seen over that? the top is schlock? Yes. So everything Canon does is schlock. I'd say the majority of it. Yeah. Oh. no. I, I would. That's my wheelhouse, man. Yeah, That's but I'm not, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Get my comfort food. I love it, but it it just has that feel to me of, I don't know, it just has that feel. All right, cool, All right, man. Give me a flick pick. I'm going to say, you've already seen it, so you can agree with me on this. We watched it for my birthday movie, Bloody Bloody Bible Camp. Yes, dude. It's a slasher flick homage slash parody that's just extremely humorous. Very bloody, has silly dialogue and stock characters, but that's exactly what it needs. It was great, man. I had a great time at your um, at your movie, dude. I think that was a, at your birthday. That was a perfect pick too. The group, dude. Excellent. That was uh, there's a great time to be had by anybody who watches this. Yeah, and a perfect, especially crowd in a group. Yeah, everybody loved it, dude. It was a perfect crowd to watch that. Please, Jesus, take away the sinful boner. Oh, it's great, dude. God damn. So great. Holy water. All right. Um. I don't know if I told you I was watching this or not, but uh, I've been watching, and I'm halfway through it, Preacher. Uh, season one is available on Hulu, and it started pretty strong, and even Lynn enjoys it. So I'm about halfway in and still enjoying it. So Read yeah, the comic book, never seen the show. I've never read the comic book, but so far the show's just fine. I have no issues with it. It's available great. at your local library. Good stuff. And I agree with you. I can't oh. wait to check that one out. And next up, dude, I am super pumped to watch this, but we're going to watch 1971's Dirty Harry. Clint Eastwood, John Vernon, Andrew Robin Robinson is the killer. I love this movie. I've watched it a ton of times, but Doc has never seen it. Is that correct? Shush, shush, shush. You've never seen it? Come on. Some of us may have to confess a movie scene. Okay. <laughs> You're already ruining it. One of us may. One of us may not have seen it. Find out who on the next episode of Schlocker. Find out who's committed a movie cinema sin. Yeah, dude. I God, man. I, that's going to be a fun time to, for everybody um what else do we got here oh i never said this either on the show i wanted to throw it out there but um we're actually on a couple websites uh podcast websites for uh visually impaired people because basically what we do is, is a descriptive service of the movie with a little of our own fun added in um and we've already been accepted on a couple different sites but i just figured i'd throw it out there to anybody that's listening um if you know someone that's visually impaired or uh 
someone that has access to those type of websites that those people use, uh, throw us out there to them, man, because we, we describe the movie from front to back and uh, basically you support those websites too, man. Absolutely, dude. And I didn't write down the websites that we're on right now. I wish I would have. That would have been great. Maybe for the next mm-hmm. show. I kind of threw this in at the end just as a little aside. We'll get that on the next episode. Yeah, I'll get it on there. But um, thanks for putting us on there. That's super cool. I, I never really thought of us as uh, fully describing it, but yeah, we are out ruining the, the movie for thing. everybody, right? Tainting people's inner vision of a movie. Every tedious detail of the movie explained, in, in the <clears> especially show. the veiny bulgy parts. The veiny bulgies. That's right. Uh, and we did get a mission statement. I also got a telephone call in the schlock line, which I think I'm going to use as our outro because it's uh, fairly long. So first, the mission statement. Here we go. This is from the pub to the graveyard. I'm Kat. This is Jody. And Schlockernauts are friends traveling with us to the edge of the cinematic universe in a rocket ship fueled by Cheetos and one-night stands. Shit, yes. Nice, guys. Absolutely. Thank you very much from the pub to the graveyard. Thank you. That was awesome. Do you have their info on where to find them and everything? Uh, From pub to... Hold on a second. I got to find it on Twitter. You You would bring this up to me right now. You mean to play something while you find it? Absolutely. You don't poop out of your penis. You poop out of your butt. Is that long enough? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Okay. You can find them at on Twitter, pub to graveyard.com. They are actually hopefully going to get some uh, music and some independent films soon, get some extra work on there. And if uh, you need to get a con- in contact with them, they're on iTunes. Their music is available now, and they're at pub to graveyard, number two graveyard. On Twitter, man. They're awesome people. Really enjoyed chit-chatting back and forth with them. They're a huge supporter of the show. Going to support them. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for doing that, guys. It's super cool. Um, I appreciate the interaction. That's great. And that's been most of my relationships before I got married, too. So, What, online? No, in real life. Oh. Cheetos and one-night stands. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> it's always awkward. You get that, yep, that orange cheesy dust, and then they leave <laughs> the, the walk of fame, not the walk of shame. And, uh, you know, there's... Orange stuff on their cheesy bits. Nice, dude. That's dirty. <laughs> good good folks, dude. Really cool guy. Yeah, super cool. Thanks for uh, throwing that out there, guys. I appreciate it. Um, you can contact us. At, oh, you got thanks, Doc? Do you want to do some thanks? I do. I want to thank our Patreon supporters, listeners of the show, and the uh, fellow podcasters at The Retro Cinema, at Gidget Von LaRue, and at underscore Angry Man. They have a podcast called uh, The Retro Cinema where they only do 80s movies, and their stuff is really cool. They kind of do the same thing as us, kind of break it down for you. Um, they're from Australia, so they're probably a lot more intelligent than we are. I want to thank uh, at Pub to Graveyard. They're friends of the show. Uh, make sure you follow them on Twitter. Buy their stuff on iTunes. And uh, thank you, Steve. Thanks, buddy. Um, you can contact us at schlockernot at gmail.com. Visit the website, steve52.com. That has all the Facebook, Twitter links. Um, did you get 50 cents worth of entertainment out of this show? If you did, you're in luck because you can support us for like $1 a month. And we would really like to get just one more Patreon supporter a month would be great. Uh, get access to our Slack channel. It's a, it's a little chat channel we have where you can chop it up with me and Sledge and um, Pete. Uh, Tonry. Tonry. Some of these other cool cats that you hear about on the show, they're all in there. We talk about the movies um, in the weeks between the shows. It's really fun. Uh, if you want to get a part of that, just go to patreon.com and throw us a buck. We'd be a, we, The show is run by our Patreons, and we, we appreciate it. And uh, thank them profusely. Thank you profusely. Thank yep. you. Uh, t-shirts are up there, blah, blah, blah. Call the Schlock line. Uh, that's what Pete did. Our outro is from Pete, who's also on Slack. Uh, 209-ST52 is the Schlock line. That's 209-783-8352. Uh, Doc, that was a fun one, and I am looking forward to the next one. See you in two weeks, gang. Hey, it's Pete. Just want to see uh, if I heard correctly, you guys are doing uh, Barbarian the next. 
uh, I think that's kind of funny since you haven't got enough eye candy for Steve with uh, Beastmaster, so you're going to double up with Barbarians, huh? Goodness gracious. So what is, what's going on? If Steve doesn't get enough men in his life, we got to do fucking shitty, shitty movies with loincloths. Uh, all right. Oh, my bad. You guys have a good day. Enjoy your loincloth, Steve. I'm going to get you one for your birthday. And I'll get one for Doc so he can wear it while you guys are doing the show. All right. I'll see you guys later. Bye. I would totally do that in a second. But I would just say it's extremely unsafe for him to be driving around (laughs) doing a mission statement. Please park. Pete, pull over. His blinker the whole time. He's cursing out someone else, but he's the one with his blinker on. He's leaving his blinker on for like three miles. Look at this dick. And everybody's waiting for him to turn. Thanks, Uh, Pete. Thanks, Pete, man. Friend of the show. You guys are awesome. I'll see y'all next time. Let's go play some video games. Thanks, Aaron, and go set two.